Ministry Mentorship, Episode 12. Hello and welcome to this episode of Ministry Mentorship. This is Jacob Tapia and you're listening to a podcast dedicated to connecting apostolic leaders with young ministers for the purpose of helping them develop in their ministries. In this episode, we're going to be talking with Brother Bruce Howell. He is a tremendous missionary and is currently the Global Missions Director for the United Pentecostal Church International. He sat down with me recently and we talked about his passion for ministry and how we can get more involved in the work of God. Let's join the conversation now. All right, we're here today with Brother Bruce Howell, and he is uh, the Director of Global Missions for the United Pentecostal Church International. He and his wife, Diane, have been married for 40 years next month, and he has three children, Jared, Leah, and Amy, and they, along with their spouses, are all involved in full-time ministry. Brother Howell is a graduate of Gateway College, and he's been in ministry for over 40 years. He taught at Bible school, and he was on the mission field for 34 years in El Salvador and Honduras and also working in other administrative capacities. And he's now, again, currently serving as the director of the Global Missions. And we're so thankful to have him joining us today. Brother Howell, thank you for being with us. It's an honor to be with you. Thank you. Now, talk about when when did you first feel the call of God on your life? Uh, when I was 13, I received the Holy Ghost. I was not privileged to be uh, reared in a Pentecostal home. But uh, <clears throat> probably shortly thereafter, uh, I began to feel God calling me. I remember when God called me uh, specifically, but I don't know the exact date, but I was probably around 14 years of age when God called me. I think it was basically uh, God's tug on my life because to reach the lost, uh, I came from a home that wasn't a Christian home. And so as a young person, I was baptized in a church that had a great youth group. Uh, back in those days, uh, we were very involved in quizzing, very involved in everything. In fact, I guess I started quizzing the first year it started in 1967. That was the year I received the Holy Ghost. And to show you how quizzing has changed, we quizzed over the entire book of Genesis. The entire wow. book of Genesis. <laughs> so anyway, but I, I guess uh, it was during that time that God began to call me to the ministry. Yeah. And I remember the night I was praying. I shared a room with my brother who was not in the church. And uh, one night I was praying, and I remember specifically God calling me to be a shepherd. And that's, that's how it happened when I was probably about 14. Now, can you describe and, and talk about your, your journey into ministry, where you started at, some of the life-shaping experiences you had? Just talk a little bit about that journey that you took into ministry. I think, number one, Brother Leroy Sherry baptized me, who is now a missionary in Vanuatu, getting ready to retire. They have been missionaries for over 40 years. And uh, <clears throat> his uh, love for, for the lost, in fact, about seven months after I received the Holy Ghost, they were appointed to the country of Australia. So I, I noticed their life. Then they were very involved with young people and getting young people involved in ministry. And I think number one with them, uh, then also as a young person, I became youth leader of the church that we were, we were in. Uh, I preached my first message in Cutler, Illinois, when Brother Robert Rodenbush was pastor there. 
I was probably only about 14, I remember that, and uh, preaching my first message at that church. In fact, Brother Rodenbush still talks about it. And um, being exposed to a lot of uh, young people in our church, I remember uh, many of our young people went to Bible school, and I watched their lives, and uh, I would say probably in those beginning years, it was just observing everyone. I wanted to serve the Lord, and I uh, did not come from a Pentecostal background. My mother was not in the church, but I would say those are some of the things that formed me. And then I came to Bible college and so forth. I don't know how much, how far you want me to go with that, but yeah, um, I, I came to Gateway. Uh, when I was at Gateway, I had teachers like Brother Nelson and Brother Mullenpaw. Uh, I had a teacher named Kenny Schmidt. Fantastic teachers that really loved God and were very dedicated. Also, Brother uh, Rome. I observed his life, Brother Black from uh, 13th and Gravois. He was my evangelism teacher. Fantastic man, great man. What a what an honor to be around him. And then I met my wife, who was from Jackson, Mississippi, Brother T.L. Craft's church, and was exposed to Brother Craft and his passion for the lost. Uh, and then my pastor in Heron, even before I left, let me go back a little. Brother Robert Miller for three years was my pastor. And uh, these are all men that formed my life and, and uh, then just acquaintances. Uh, I didn't have any idea I'd be a missionary, but Brother Craft instilled within me, you know, a, uh, a real desire to see the lost say. Back in those days, our church uh, ran in Jackson around 1,500 people. The building was way too small for that many people, so I pastored an annex. He guided me through that. I made some mistakes. and. Then, of course, I was exposed to people like uh, Billy Cole there in Jackson. I was able to meet so many great people. Back in those days, there were men like, uh, of course, Brother Kraft and, and Brother Phillips, Brother Hamby, some of those men that were, that were great, great preachers. And uh, I was exposed to them. I was also exposed to the, a church that was a growing church. Um, then when I went on a missions trip to Central America, I was privileged to meet other great missionaries like T.W. Drost, uh, was able to meet the Lehman family. Uh, God called me to the mission field. And uh, even still today, you know, I don't wanna, I don't wanna make anybody, I don't wanna bore anybody, but I think it's just the relationships of people that you meet and people that you see that guide you. And then of course in Bible college, the teaching I had, uh, and I'm still learning, I'm 59. Still have a lot to learn, but uh, exposed right now to men like David Bernard, who is a great uh, leader. I think I would consider a genius as it comes to leadership. I've never seen anybody that uh, can evaluate a situation so fast. What takes him about a half an hour, it takes me two weeks to figure out. But it's just an honor to work with him. And I think the exposure to people like that, making sure that I didn't stay around the wrong people, that I tried to stay around the right people. And uh, God's blessed me in that aspect. So uh, that's probably a very long answer to one little question. <laughs> well, talk to that young person right now that, that is saying, you know, Brother Howell, I'm from a small church. I'm in a rural area. How do I, how do I get access to these men like that? How do I connect like you connected? You, you were in a big church. You, you went to Bible school. You had these other experiences. Uh, and maybe maybe I don't necessarily feel like Bible school is for me, or or maybe I feel like where I'm at is supposed. To, I'm where I'm supposed to be. 
How do I connect with men like that? You know, let me, I hope I didn't portray it wrong, but I came from a church in Heron, Illinois. I didn't come from a Pentecostal background. I had no quote unquote pedigree. No one knew who I was. Uh, you know what I uh, what I would say to a young person is do whatever comes to your hand to do. You know I was always at church first. My mom got mad at me. She wasn't in the church because I always wanted to be the last one to leave. If there was ever any activity, I was there. If they needed the bathrooms cleaned, I was willing to clean the bathrooms. If they needed the grass mowed, I was willing to do that, even though we had a maintenance man in the church. But but I was always willing, and I didn't push myself, but I just made myself available. And I would say that. I just, as the door of opportunity opened, I went through the doors. And there were times, uh, Brother Tapia, that I got to the point that I thought, I'll never be anybody. You know, I'm not an Anthony Mangan. I don't have a dad like he has. Uh, some of my contemporaries were Steve Judd. His dad, of course, was well-known at headquarters. I didn't have a dad like Steve Judd. Ron Beckton, I didn't have a dad who was general secretary of the church. And there was times that the devil would attack me and tell me, you'll never amount to anything because you don't have any pull or anything. But you know, God opened the doors. And and I believe that to that young person, what you have to do is do what you can where you are. Don't be someone that's looking to, to try and get near somebody that's well-known. There's plenty of people that can help you and pick those people out and stay close to them and serve God and um, I think God will open the doors to, for you, for any young person to be exposed to the right people that will form your ministry. And nobody should ever feel that they cannot do anything. I come from a very poor family, no pedigree. Right now, as I talk to you, uh, I don't say this braggingly. I've probably visited around 135, 140 countries. I've been privileged to preach to congregations. In fact, hanging on the wall at headquarters headquarters is a congregation in Africa that I preached to that was probably at least a half million people. And those are things, and I really attribute it to just simply doing what you can do right now. You know, if it's She's for Christ, I'm here at your church doing a She's for Christ kickoff, and uh, just do what you can. I remember the car washes. I mean, I just did whatever I could, and I think that's the key to it. And I think God will open the doors for you to be exposed to the right people. Now, you talked a little bit about the passion for reaching the lost and and how that has been a big motivator in your life. Talk about that and and how that has fueled even even what you've done overseas and, and just your ministry. I think probably what motivates me is that I know where my life would be if it hadn't been for Jesus. If he hadn't saved me, there's no telling where I would be. I came from a dysfunctional family. Uh, My mother loved me, she was a good person, but she wasn't a Christian. Uh, My stepfather was an alcoholic. So I didn't have the background, but when I got in the church, God touched me, he saved me, he began to put my life together. And you know, when I even think now about my three children, and they're all three in the ministry, Uh, When I think about the great things that God has done, I just simply can see what God can do to a life. Uh, Not only that, when I see as I pastored in El Salvador, I I went there and and as a missionary, because the country was small, I could pastor a local church. And that local church I pastored, I was privileged and honored to pastor very poor people, people that literally lived in 10 shacks. And I saw God touch them and save them And then I saw their families begin to grow. And as we taught them, their children are now lawyers, 
doctors, engineers, because they grasped, they took a hold of an opportunity really in a country, not like the United States, where opportunity abounds. I mean, if you really want to do something, you can do it in the United States. Some of those countries you can. In fact, I remember there was a young lady that became my, was my secretary. She wanted to study nursing. She said, I can't study nursing. If I don't have connections, there's no way I can get into school anywhere. There's no opportunities. It was a country like that. But I saw how that God moved in the lives of people, even in a country where there were not opportunities and God opened the doors for them. So that's created in me a passion to let people know you can be something through giving your heart to God. And so that passion, and there's no greater joy that I have than to see somebody that's lost and uh, doesn't know him to be baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost. And in fact, just even today in service, watching the people pray, it's such a joy to see people in the altar. And I know they have needs, but it's a joy to be able to tell them that God can supply their needs. I think that's the passion. And then you travel all over the world and you see, I was just in India. In fact, this Tuesday, a young man by the name of Reuben Hobde will be flying in from Chennai. I probably have never had any national person stay in our home, but he's staying in our home Tuesday night. He it works for the government. He's a pastor of a church in Chennai. His wife is a dentist. She comes from the Brahma caste. Her family is still Hindu, but I just wish you could see how God changes their lives and, and what God does. And as you travel, you see that all over the world. So my goodness, who wouldn't have a passion when you see God change people's lives? You know, not just for us to have a big church and a bunch of people, but really that's not my goal, but my goal is to see individual people's lives changed. And when you see that, it gives you a passion to let people know God can touch you and save you. So I would say that's where my passion, and of course I was exposed to men that were passionate. You know, Brother T.L. Craft was passionate about the lost, probably one of the most passionate men I've ever seen about reaching the lost. And I was passionate. In fact, in the church I pastored in El Salvador, I, uh, I, was, uh, I was pretty militant. In fact, I made everybody leave one Sunday, about 400 people, because we had no visitors. And I told them I would not preach a service. I wasn't there, but my assistant, uh, we had services for the church, but I said, we're not coming to church just to rejoice and just to be happy ourselves. We're here to reach the lost, and it was an evangelistic service. I told them if there's no visitor, we don't have church. And there was not one visitor that day. That was our third service, and uh, he knew I was out taking care of a problem in the national work. And that's how passionate I am. He dismissed church because that was my instructions if there was not a visitor. So we had some people get mad. But you know what? After that, we never had another service, evangelistic service, where we didn't have a visitor. So I'm passionate <laughs> about reaching the lost. How did you know that missions was your calling? Well, like I said, when I was in Bible college uh, at Gateway, uh, I was uh, president of what was called then the Macedonian Club, which was the missions club. But even at that point, I really didn't think I would be a missionary. I thought I would be an evangelist and a pastor. But what I didn't really think I would be a missionary. But when I went on a missions tour, that's how I got exposed to it. It was like an AYC, an Epsilon Youth Corps trip. I went to Central America, and that's where God called me. And the strange thing is, Brother Tapia, he called me to the country that really, rationally speaking, didn't need a missionary. I mean, there were other countries that I'd gone to that the missionaries had asked me to come and help them. But this country, the missionary didn't talk to me, and that's the one God called me to. But it was just a burden. And when I went back to Jackson, I was a dean of Christian education. I would sit on the platform and just weep, and I felt a, a burden to go back to El Salvador. 
And so that's how it began was through a trip to the mission field. And it just uh, consumed me after that time. And in fact, on that trip, there were four missionaries that came out of that trip. Myself, the Landows, Andy Carpenter, and Pam Smoke. Uh, me, the Landows, and the Smokes are still in missions. Andy Clark, uh, Andy, uh, Andy uh, uh, Carpenter is back here pa pastoring, but uh, the three of us are still missionaries, and that was a result of just one trip to Central America. So that's where it all started. Wow. I hope I'm not giving too much information. <clears throat> no, this is great. <laughs> this is great because I think that people need exposure. Yeah. And, you know, it's good, I think, even if you don't, even if, for, like for me, for example, I don't necessarily feel that I'm called to be a missionary. Yeah. But I have a burden and a love for missions. Yeah. I've supported a missionary since I was 18 years old. Yeah. And I've been overseas. I went on a missions trip. And it, it changes your perspective to see mm -hmm. how people are having church, how things are going, and, and to see people that don't have anything mm -hmm. that are reaching out to God. Yeah. And it, it, it gives you a perspective change. I would recommend any young person that wants to go deeper in their walk with God to go on a missions trip. I agree with you 100%. I think, and you know, missions is not for everybody. We, when we were in El Salvador, we had what's called <clears throat> AMERS, Associates in Missions. These are short-term missionaries. And uh, when we had uh, them come, there were several that did not pan out to be missionaries. And, uh, but they did, uh, they came on a missions tour, a missions trip. I think it helps you to understand how other people live. I think it helps us in our church work here because really we're all missionaries. I mean, it may be what we call global or outside North America or here in North America, but we all really should be missionaries reaching, reaching people because that's what a missionary does. And uh, one way to get involved is through the missions trips. And I mean, there's, there's many of those, a lot available. In fact, through the, um, the youth division, I think last year was the largest year they had as far as number of participants in the Epsoc Youth Corps that made trips overseas. So it was a, wow. a great opportunity. Now, what are you seeing in the young people of the apostolic movement? You know, I'm seeing, I think, the uh, young people in the apostolic movement, I'm seeing a passion. Uh, I think that paradigm shifts. One thing that I'm seeing among the, the younger people today is they're feeling that we need to become a little bit more involved in social works, which I agree with, like orphanages and compassion. And uh, I agree with that. I think that we need to become involved with it. I think that, and we have avenues to do that. I think that the young people are more involved in uh, in reaching out to try and helping people. I think the scripture talks about when somebody needs a cup of cold water, cup of water, we need to give that to them. We need to supply their needs. And I'm afraid that we in the church, in the United Pentecostal Church, have not done enough of that. We are beginning to. But I, but I believe that some of us that are a little older are afraid of that because we have seen other churches that have focused completely on the social aspect and, the, and they've let the salvation or the spiritual aspect go. Uh, that doesn't mean we should not do it. I think we have to make sure we have a balance. And I think that those of us that are older have to facilitate that in the, in the young people are in the, the students of today, those that are they're looking to go. And, and really, uh, I just came from Austria and a great group of young people I saw there. In fact, I met several young ministers, young ladies that are there <clears throat> working in missions. Uh, there's great ways everybody can become involved and, and be exposed, not just overseas, but here as well. 
But I, I think that as far as missions is concerned, uh, we are seeing youth. I mean, there's no doubt that uh, they're involved, maybe in a little different way. Some want to be involved in maybe shorter term, and there's nothing wrong with that, you know. And uh, that seems to be the paradigm right now in missions. You just have such a great personality, Brother Howell. I just, I just, I, I do a lot with comedy, and and a lot of that is is watching people and getting yeah. their, finding out their personality. Yeah. And uh, you're just a great person. I wish well, people could. You. I wish everyone could be here just to feel your passion and and your your positive demeanor and your attitude. Uh, how do you how do you stay positive? How do you how do you stay focused? It's so easy when the world that we live in is, is so much chaos. There's so much information, especially as young people coming. How do you stay connected to the source and, and focused on what really matters? You know, it's, it is a challenge because in my position, I do deal with a lot of situations. In fact, overseas, we have 36,000 churches and you can imagine, uh, six regional directors <clears throat> sub-regions, we are in 203 nations, 121 what we call organized nations, which means they have their own structures. Uh, I deal with a lot of that, but I think that basically one of the things that keeps me focused is being in a church like this this weekend where I can come and preach. In fact, this year has been one year that I backed off a little of my preaching out because of being a bit weary. Uh, but I would say one of the things that helps me is to not focus on the problems. Basically, the only time, Brother Tapia, that I think of all the problems are in prayer because I can't do it otherwise. If I sat here right now and began to go over all the different things, and I could do it, I could tell you about problems. I'm not going to tell you the names of the countries, but I could tell you. But I try not to focus on that, and I focus on like a service today, reaching the lost. When I go overseas, I try to, to minister to that. So I would say what I try to do is stay focused on the goal of the church, and that is to reach the lost. And it's not just to deal with problems. And we do have to deal with problems. But if we're not careful, we can focus on that. And so you can't focus on it. You do what you do, then you put it in the hands of God. You try to be a good steward. You try to be a good administrator and deal with it and answer. But I would say that the thing that keeps me uh, probably more motivated is uh, seeing the lost reached and ministering to people that are in need. I would say that's how I do it. Yeah. How can a young person get involved in missions on a local? You've talked a little bit about being involved in some of these missions trips, but let's say there's a young person that says, you know, I want to be involved. I want to try it out. How do they get involved? Uh, involved in missions? In missions. I think locally they give, they uh, get involved by giving, like the She's for Christ. I think that's one way. I think another way is when missionaries visit the church, try to get close to them. They have children. Uh, also try to correspond with them. You can go on the websites. You can see the missionaries. Um, I think another way to become involved on a local level is trying to reach out even to the people of the community that are in need. Because, I mean, right here in Belleville, you know, I mean, and in this area, believe you me, just a little west of here, there's an area called East St. Louis where there are many, many young people that are in need. The other day, I was driving in downtown St. Louis, and I just saw some children out playing in the yard in a very depressed area economically. Those kids need the Lord because the reason I'm here today is when I was a child, my mom sent me to the nearest church, which was the first Pentecostal church in here in Illinois. There was no bus ministry then, but I would have been considered a bus kid. And I'll never forget, nobody will ever know who she is, 
but her name was Sister Patsy. She was my Sunday school teacher. She loved me when nobody else loved me. And of course, after that, I, I didn't go back to church until a couple of pretty girls invited me to church when I was a teenager. But when I went into that church, accidentally, it was a Pentecostal church. It wasn't the same one, but I felt the Spirit of God. And everything that I felt in Sunday school came back to me. I was 13, gave my heart to God, and 46 years later. So I would say the way that young people become involved is in their, in their, in their church. Go help a young person. Go help a child. Uh, also, get involved with missionaries that come. Also, raise money to help the missionaries and, and become actively involved. Now, that's in the local, the local way to become involved. How about if someone says, uh, I want to, I, I feel maybe like God's leading me to, be, to go overseas. To, he's putting a country on my heart or a certain area, region, whatever that is, how do they get involved in that level? They can get involved through many avenues. Number one would be the Episodic Youth Corps, the trips that are being taken. There's many of those that are available. But not only through Episodic Youth Corps, there are many districts now that have youth trips. There are churches that have youth trips that are not just exclusively for their youth group. For example, Brother Mark Hattabaugh at Cooper City, Florida, does an overseas trip and invites young people from everywhere uh, he has one of the most dynamic youth trips that goes overseas. In fact, I know that many times he takes between maybe 90, 100 in his group that goes. Um, then, of course, you can go on the website on uh, Associates in Missions and see where the needs are. There is a list of needs for short-term missionaries and people that want to go help. Uh, that's a way you can be involved. You can then get in contact with missionaries and ask them about it. We live in a day today that information is so readily available, and there's a way that people can make a contact with someone in a country that you would feel to go to. So there's many ways to do that. And I know that the website for the United Pentecostal Church is upci.org. What is the Global Missions website. It's uh, globalmissions.com, if I'm not mistaken. But you can go to the UPCI website. In fact, I was just doing it today. I was looking up She's for Christ and because uh, I wanted to make sure that when I preached today, I, I knew what the theme was. But anyway, I. Uh, but you can go to Global Missions. It's one of the ministries, and there you can go to our website, and there's all kinds of things on there. And it would be under Associates and Missions. Uh, Brother Jim Poitras is over that, doing a tremendous job. We have many, many people involved in Associates and Missions. Of course, it's not only just young people. There's older people that are involved as well in that. But that's a great. That's where you can see the opportunities on Global Missions. Globalmissions.com is what it is. Now, when you're working with all these churches, <clears throat> and uh, you, you obviously bear a heavy burden of responsibility, Talk to that young person right now that, that they, don't, they don't necessarily have a big role in their church, but yet they need to be responsible for what they have right now. And when they're responsible, what happens is God begins to give them more. Talk a little bit about how that all works. Well, you know, it's like I said, as you become involved in a local church, do your best no matter what it is. And that's the way I started. You know, I mean, I had no background. Uh, going back right now, I remember as a young person, I just basically did anything that I could do, and I tried to fulfill my responsibility. Even though my mother was not a Christian, my mother didn't serve God. She always taught us to be responsible. 
She always taught us not to lie. She never let us miss school just because we wanted to miss school. We had to have a good reason. And I think that basically being responsible in whatever you're doing, for example, and look for ways. For example, a young person that's involved in a church, uh, the person that's in charge or youth minister or whoever's in charge of the youth, go to them and find out what you can do. Uh, it may not be a position of leading in service. It may not be a position of being up in front. But if it's a position of of straightening the chairs, if it's a position of mowing the grass, just be responsible with what you do. And as you're responsible in those small things, God will then give you greater things to do. And, um, uh, you know, and everybody's not going to be the one up front. I mean, it may be that God's calling somebody to do a support ministry. Thank God for support ministry. Right now, I have a great staff. In fact, I'm gone a lot. I have a very young man who's my executive assistant. His name is Ryan O'Neill. Ryan is a great young man, and uh, it's been a big learning curve for him because he wasn't involved in global missions at all, and now he has a responsibility of helping me plan the Executive Global Council, the Global Council, which is a worldwide meeting of all of our churches, and uh, he's responsible. You know, uh, for example, if I need something, what do you need? He, uh, he may not know exactly, but he's always there to help me. And uh, it means a lot. So I would say to the young person, be responsible in small things, whatever. Look to your leaders, ask them what you can do. And as you do that, God will bless you and he'll open doors for greater things. He'll open doors for great, great things. Well, in closing, I wonder if you just take a minute and just say a prayer over that young person right now that, that during this interview, that they, they begin to feel something stirring in their heart. And, and that's my desire is to really is to help young people develop in their ministry. I really feel like there's somebody out there right now that's listening to this. That they're feeling that tug on their heart. I've got to do something for God. I've got to reach the lost. I've got to be involved somehow. Would you just take a minute and just pray for that young person? God, I love you. And I thank you so much for this opportunity to be able to address those that are listening. Lord, I thank you right now. And it's, it's been a while, Lord, since I was young. Uh, I sometimes can tend to forget about the things that I went through as a young person. I remember, Lord, the times that I wondered what I would be doing and I wondered exactly and I wanted to be able to look way out there in the future and know exactly what I was going to do. Lord, I guess when I was 13, 14, and 15, if I would have realized at that time that one day I would have been the general director of global missions, Lord, I think it would have been overwhelming to me and there's no way. Who knows what would have happened to me? But God, I thank you right now for guiding my footsteps every day. I thank you, Lord, for putting me in contact with people like Mama and Papa Clark. Nobody knows who they are, but every Sunday I went to their house and they had me for Sunday dinner. I pray God right now, I want to thank you for them. And Lord, I pray right now for the young people that are listening to me right now, the students. I pray that you will bless them. I pray that you will open the door for them to be exposed to people that will mold them and make them. Help them, God, to know that if they will take the step that is before them, that you have great things for them to do. Yes, we are in 203 nations, but we have not even scratched the surface of reaching our world in North America or around the world. And I pray that you will bless them right now and let them feel the tug of the Holy Spirit. I pray, God, that you will anoint them and let them know that you're going to guide them, that your hand is upon them, and as they place their life into your hands, you're going to take care of them and guide them and lead them, and you're going to 
use them. Lord, I take authority right now over depression. I take authority over a feeling of inferiority. I pray, God, that you will bless them right now, God, and let them know that with your spirit, they can do all things through you. In Jesus' name, bless them right now, God, and guide them. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Brother Howell, thank you so much for being with us. It's it's been an honor to have you. Thank you. It's been great to be with you all. God bless. You've been listening to a Ministry Mentorship Podcast with Jacob Tapia. Find out more about this recording by going to ministrymentorship.com where you can find other valuable information for developing your ministry. Also, connect with us on Facebook or leave a message and let us know what you think about this podcast. Thanks for listening.